Hi everyone, welcome to 10 Minute Workday Zen, the podcast about finding a little calm in the chaos of our day-to-day. My name is Chris Aiken, and I'll be your host. In most episodes, we spend time going through a Zen cone or other lesson, and we take away what we can to improve our everyday lives. Today, I'm going to go a little bit off that, and I'm going to recite a poem for you called Jabberwocky by Lewis Carroll. This poem became one of my favorites the very first time I ever read it in my ninth grade English class, way back when, when I still had Mrs. Leach. I don't know why the poem resounded so well with me, but I managed to memorize it in a single read-through. To this day, I can say it at the drop of a hat, during whatever else I may be doing, and I never quite figured out why. So today, I'm going to recite it for you, and we're going to talk a little bit about how language shapes our lives. So without further ado, Jabberwocky by Lewis Carroll. Twas brillig, and the slithy toves did gyre and gimble in the wabe. All mimsy were the boar groves, and the mome wraths outgrabe. Beware the jabberwock, my son, the jaws that bite, the claws that catch. Beware the jubjub bird, and shun the frumious bandersnatch. He took his vorpal sword in hand, long time the mangsome foe he sought. So rested he by tum-tum tree, and stood a while in thought. And as in uffish thought he stood, the jabberwock with eyes of flame came whiffling through the tulgy wood, and burbled as it came. One, two, one, two, and through and through, his vorpal blade went snicker-snack. He left it dead, and with its head he went galumphing back. And hast thou slain the jabberwock? Come to my arms, my beamish boy. O frabjous day, kaloo, kalay, he chortled in his joy. T'was brillig, and the slithy toves did gyre and gimble in the wabe. All mimsy were the boar groves, and the mome wraths outgrabe. I've often found myself reflecting on this poem, and as I mentioned before, I never quite figured out why I liked it so much, but the things that I do realize have always interested me. Language is what we use to describe the world around us. Now, in Zen Buddhism, we say that things don't really exist outside of ourselves, but that things are also interconnected. This is that sense of selflessness, but connection to all things. And the way that we understand it, the way that we describe it to others, and the way that we transmit this idea behind Zen is through our language. What Lewis Carroll does, in my opinion, in Jabberwocky, is he creates brand new ideas with his language that you don't see other places. Twas brillig and the slithy toves did gyre and gimble in the wabe. All mimsy were the boar groves and the mome wraths outgrabe. You don't need to know what any of those words really mean. They don't mean anything. But what do you see in your imagination, in your mind's eye, when you hear these words? All mimsy were the boar groves. Twas brillig. In my mind, I see this swamp, this forest, this deep dark place where unknown and possibly dangerous things lie. And then we go on through the rest of the poem, we find out that the protagonist is hunting the Jabberwock, this being that hunts and kills things, the jaws that bite, the claws that catch. It's some sort of horrid monster. In order to fight it, he has to use a vorpal blade. Now, I don't know if you've ever, you know, read or looked at anything in antiquity that mentions what a vorpal blade should do, but it's this item 
this magical sword that is used for beheading things. So you have this place that Lewis Carroll has created in this creature that he's introduced in this place. And our protagonist has a magic sword that he has to use to decapitate it and take it back. And his father is so happy with what he's done that he's frabjous. He shouts, Kalu, Kalei, he chortles, he laughs because something amazing has happened. And Lewis Carroll uses fake words. He uses fake language, stuff that he made up when he was writing this. And this was from the sequel to Alice in Wonderland. So we already know that this is a super fantastical use of language. And it's this amazing ability that language has to shape the way that we see reality. And I think that's really the lesson that we can take from not only the Zen cones that we study on a regular basis, but also from all of the fiction, the nonfiction, the poetry, every use of language to really transmit ideas is helping you shape your own reality. The words have connotations, they have denotations, they have meaning and they have feeling. Meaning and feeling in every single thing that you say. If you say, man, you're an idiot, you could be talking to one of your best friends and no one's ever going to take offense at that. But if you walk up to someone and say, man, you're an idiot, and it's not a friend, or there's that difference in meaning where you're being insulting rather than playful, connotation versus denotation, it's such a huge difference. The way we say things changes the meaning of a word in a completely different context. The way we describe something makes us feel a different way about it. If you're the type of person who loves rainy weather, which I am definitely that type of person, you might describe a rainy day as being relaxing, calming, misty. But if you're the type of person who hates a rainy day, it's drudgery, it's dreadful, it's gray, it's bleak. It's the same day from two different perspectives, and the way that you convey that changes the meaning of a thing. It's amazing to me how much language determines how we think or feel. And I think it's one of those things that we should all be very aware of. The way that you say something has an effect on those around you. It's almost as though you're creating or calling into being thoughts and feelings just by the tone, the speed, the loudness, and the specific word choice that you use. And today's homework is going to be very simple and directly related to this idea. It's actually a couple of parts. First, I want you to go and learn some new language. If you speak English, if English is your primary language like mine is, maybe find yourself a word of the day calendar or a website that provides you one. Every day for the next week, learn a new word. It doesn't have to be a $10 word like hyperbole or something complicated that no one else is going to know what it means. Just remind yourself maybe of a word you used to use but you don't anymore. There's so many words. There are tens of thousands of words in the English language for you to use and enjoy. So learn a new one. And then second, you're going to use those words in conversation over the next week or so. If at all possible, after seven days, I want you to use all seven new words in conversation throughout the day. Make it make sense, but start using your language to express your ideas in new ways. And then the last part of your homework is to be very, very aware of the things you say 
and how you say them. Because what you say is just as important as how it comes out. Because remember, people won't remember what you say, people won't remember what you do, but people will remember how you made them feel. The words that you use and how you use them are a big part of how you make other people feel. So that's the last part of your homework. Thank you for joining me today on 10 Minute Workday Zen. My name is Chris Aiken. If you liked this podcast, please leave us a review on iTunes or SoundCloud. We really rely on our listeners to bring our lessons to new people and to help us improve. All editing and production was completed by Aiken Entertainment, and all music was provided by bensound.com. All rights are reserved.